This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're joined by Orange County reporter Tammy Grubb to talk about her new series, Women and Children First. It's Monday, August 8, 2022. For the News and Observer and the NC Insider, I'm Avi Bajpa, your host of this episode of Under the Dome on Monday, August 8, 2022. There are 1.2 million families that meet the federal poverty level in North Carolina. A third of those households, around 400,000, are led by single mothers. My colleague, uh, Tammy Grubb, a longtime reporter at the NNO who covers Orange County, has spent several weeks learning what life is like for these single moms, many of whom have to navigate a collection of challenges, including low-paying jobs, unpredictable housing options, insufficient assistance with food and health care, and in recent months, rapidly rising prices at the grocery store and the gas station. We're thrilled to have Tammy join us today to talk about her reporting and the discussions about families in need it has, it has sparked. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Tammy. Um, can you please start by telling us about this project on single mothers and how it came about? Uh, thank you, Ivy. Um, appreciate you having me on the show. Um, this is a new experience for me. Uh, so our project um, actually came from an idea that our um, our management came up with. Uh, they decided that this was a super important issue for us to look at um, because single mothers do make up 38% of the families uh, raising kids in poverty in North Carolina. So it's a pretty massive amount. And the implications are not just for families. It's for those children and for the future of their families and for the future of our state economically, um, you know, the the ethics and the moral um, uh, reality of the situation. So uh, we wanted to really dig in and we wanted to center the voices of women, especially because so often we hear from lawmakers and, you know, majority men um, who may not have that experience, may not understand that experience, uh, and they uh, need to hear just as much as we do what it's really, really like for people to raise children in these families and, and with these cir- circumstances. Yeah. So, you know, you, uh, talking about families who are affected by, um, by uh, ha- you know, limited housing, food insecurity, poverty, all these issues. Um, you know, the main story in this installment, this first installment of the reporting you've been doing, um, begins with Lasharon Getty, um, a single mother who she's been raising four children. She currently lives um, at an extended stay hotel here in Raleigh. Um, can you, you know, walk us through what her experience as a single mother looks like? Sure. Um, yeah, uh, La Chiron, uh, she has four children uh, with her. She has a fifth child who is actually at UNCG. She's a freshman there this year. So um, her son just recently came home. He had some um, some issues that he had to work through, and he recently came home. So she's uh, very excited to have them all, but it's super crowded. They live in a 270-square-foot, uh, basically, studio apartment. Um, they have a bathroom. There's a kitchen in the room where they sleep. Their food is lining the walls, uh, the other walls and the, all the closets. Every space is crammed full of enough supplies and clothes to um, serve a family of four and, and even more because sometimes her um, her son's children, uh, her grandchildren, she babysits them when her son has to go to school and to work and, and the mothers have to go to work and to school. Um, her Her own mother actually comes by and she cares for her too because she's aging and she has her issues related to that. 
she has uh, extended nieces, cousins. Um, she's serving a lot of people, and um, she does very little for herself, which is um, kind of sad because she deals with cancer right now. She's had cancer for at least two years. Um, she doesn't have very good health care, but she does get some. But she needs surgery that she can't do because it would put her on her back for weeks of recovery. And so she puts it off and she deals with the pain, um, which is becoming a, a real issue for her. And, um, you know, her family lives on uh, the disability payment she gets for three children who have autism. And um, she uh, has 30, roughly $3,300 a month, and that covers most of their expenses, except for 500 in food stamps. And when that money runs out, she has to choose. Does she buy meat for her kids, like she was talking about yesterday. she buy meat for her kids? Does she buy lunch meat and peanut butter and they make sandwiches every day? Um, you know, she, she managed to put things together. Uh, when, clothes, when clothes are no longer fit the oldest, she uh, alters them to fix the, fit the new kid. She uses them over and over until they're not good anymore. So she makes do with what she has, but it's still very difficult. And the the search for housing especially has been the most trouble for her. She has two college degrees and she had a great job uh, working for um, a behavioral health center that dealt with adolescents. And because of her cancer and COVID, she was no longer able to work and she was permanently laid off as a result. And so, um, you know, that's really what put her there. And then she ran into all kinds of issues with housing um, from you know, landlords who just won't consider Section 8 voucher to uh, the only available housing being in a violent uh, neighborhood with gang and crime problems that came to her doorstep and, in fact, came into her house, um, which is how she ended up back in Wake County. So it's just a whole range of things, you know, shuttling kids to appointments, paying for all that. Three girls who need personal hygiene products every month is a huge expense. I mean, it's just... It's everything that a family that has children think of multiplied times four. And if you think about that, that's a lot of money. And it's a lot of money that people don't have. Yeah, it's um, it's a very large burden. Um, but, you know, you're talking about all of those expenses, all of the time um, and uh, resources that go into raising a family, providing for your family but also doing it in, in her case alone. Um, and uh, that's something that really comes across um, in your reporting, just how, how difficult that situation is. I'd like to add too, I, you know, in thinking about this question, I got a, a call from a guy this week and we had a long conversation about it. And he said that, you know, if she's getting $3,300 a month, which seems like a lot of money for some people, um, why can't she get a place to live? I mean, it's $1,200, $1,800 for an apartment, or she could get a two-bedroom for twelve. So why doesn't that happen? Well, that doesn't happen because most of the time when you're applying for apartments, there are fees just to apply. There are security deposits. You have to pay first month's rent, sometimes an extra month's rent. And most, um, most housing, most landlords, unless they're private landlords, are expecting you to make three and four times the amount of rent and income. And she's not doing that. So, you know, and, and to top it all off, if you're paying for some place for your kids to have a roof over their head and food to put in their bellies and take them to doctor's appointments, you can't 
put money back to save for those deposits. And that's really the issue is there's no wiggle room for families to even try to get up in a lot of these cases. Yeah, so I think that is a good segue into one of the sort of um, key takeaways of your reporting and also of this uh, fantastic panel you moderated last uh, last week um, with Lasharan and, and a couple of other guests. Um, you add on a public policy expert from the nonpartisan um, NC Budget and Tax Center. You also had a lawmaker from the State House here in Raleigh. Um, and a lot of the panel was focused on some of the sort of uh, systemic issues here at play um, and what steps lawmakers might be able to take to soften some of the financial burden on some of these struggle, struggling families. Uh, can you, you know, just walk us through some of those key takeaways, what, what you learned from that panel? Sure. Um, I think the first thing that comes up is the earned income tax credit. Um, there's a federal earned income tax credit that's available to families. When they file a tax return each year, they get a set amount of money um, deducted from their taxes for each child that they have. Well, North Carolina had one of those, and actually a number of states have, have those. Uh, but North Carolina's legislature let it expire in 2013 and decided not to renew it. And so that, that assistance that had been there for a long time for families was just gone. And putting that back into place would do a lot to help families. Um, the, the evidence of that was during COVID because um, when we had the um, tax credits and when we had other assistance, food assistance, um, eviction assistance, and that sort of thing, a lot of families were actually lifted out of deep poverty. Um, over 306,000 North Carolina children no longer were in deep poverty. And the level of uh, severe food insecurity dropped from 11% to 7% in just that one, one and a half years. And the, um, you know, if those were sustained, just those two programs, it would just make a vast difference for a great many of these families. Um, some of the other issues that come up that we, we talked about, childcare is right at the top of that list. It's over $9,000. Um, I think it's around $9,800 a year for an average cost of childcare. The, a year at UNC in Chapel Hill is $9,300 a year. So you can put your, your child into college better than you can put them into childcare. And for working poor families, that's not even an option. Uh, you know, we read about, um, we actually had a number of, of cases this summer, uh, parents leaving their kids in the car while they're at work. Well, that's a direct growth of that. I mean, if you can't find a place to afford and you don't want to put your kid in substandard care where they might be in danger or at risk of, you know, malnutrition, um, one mother told me about she found affordable childcare, but the woman just sit her child in front of a TV all day. The child didn't learn anything and developed a speech delay. And so now she has a childcare subsidy through the state because of this speech delay that moved her to the top of the list and the child is actually making progress. But it was a decision that she had to make because she couldn't just leave her kid sitting on the couch at two years old, three years old. Not even, you know, a 10-year-old, I think we would not leave them alone these days. So um, that's, that's really a big one. Increasing that child care subsidy would do a lot because then people could actually go to work and not have to worry about it. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. 
Uh, you're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Avi Bachpai. I'm here with my colleague, Tammy Grubb, who has just launched uh, Women and Children First, uh, a new series from the News and Observer and uh, Durham Herald Sun about single mothers who are heads of households and uh, are living in poverty. Um, so, Tammy, this is just the first uh, part in a series of stories that you have planned. Uh, can you give us any um, insight into what readers can expect going forward? Sure. Um, I've got lots of stories from mothers that I've not even told yet, and everyone is is different and everyone is the same in some way. You know, um, then they're all courageous for speaking. Um, we plan to do, um, actually the next month we'll be focusing more on the housing issue since that's key. I mean, I think that's a problem for most people who either rent or buy houses now. Um, so that'll be a primary um, goal for us is to do that this next month. But we'll have additional stories over the next several months looking at child care specifically, um, looking at the effects of health care, the effects of racism, systemic racism on housing and health care and education and child care. All these things I've heard from mothers that, you know, I've, I've had mothers tell me that they took their kids out of school because they just kept shuffling them off to the behavior crowd. And it wasn't a behavioral issue. It was that they were struggling with homelessness and hunger and they just couldn't focus. And once they took their kids out of school, they were able to, to get them back on track. So clearly there's a problem that we need to deal with. And, and I think systemic issues are going to be at the heart of just about every story that we do over the next several months. Um, you know, there's lots of things. Uh, employment is going to be major. Um, we'll have a lot of stories about employment and politics and what um, political folks can do to really make a difference and, and why they don't want to make a difference or don't want to do whatever that, that they're being asked to do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having some really great stories to share. No, I think, um, and actually I think that's uh, great that you bring up um, the political aspect here, um, what there's sort of a, a will to do in the legislature um, to help families. I think, you know, before we, before we go, we should, we should mention, uh, you know, the panel last week, there was um, a significant portion dedicated to talking about Medicaid expansion. Um, and you were talking about healthcare. That's obviously a very important um, element here. Um, Medicaid expansion could uh, bring insurance, uh, bring coverage to more than 600,000 people um, here in the state. Um, it's something that obviously was, there was a lot of interest towards the end of the legislative session that ended um, recently. Um, there, there wasn't, um, ultimately there wasn't any kind of uh, compromise or deal reached between the House and the Senate, but obviously it's something that people going forward are going to be talking about. Um, I, I wonder if you could just talk briefly about um, what what uh, what the panelists had to say about Medicaid expansion. Yeah, um, our Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens, she's a Democrat from Guilford County. She was on our panel last night and. She spoke a great deal about that. That's a particular interest of hers, um, along with childhood, uh, early education, and child care. And um, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes right now to sort of shore up the support for that. There is bipartisan support, according to what she was telling us last night. And she um, expects something to happen this year. It's, it's really very interesting. Um, you know, we think about Medicaid expansion in terms of just 
healthcare, but as our panelists pointed out last night, it's not just about healthcare. It's also about economics because companies are looking for states to move to where their um, their employees can have great healthcare, great um, quality of living, great housing. So uh, to just attract companies, we need to have this expansion. Uh, it would, I think she said it would remove um, 638,000 people who are now without insurance of any kind would actually be able to access healthcare. And studies have shown that mothers who aren't, don't have access to healthcare sometimes don't take their kids to healthcare either. They, you know, they don't even think about it because they don't think they can go to a doctor because they can't afford it. So Medicaid expansion is going to have a, a, a much bigger sweep than just healthy people. You know, it's going to go to it's got economics, education. Everything is affected by how healthy and well your population is. And I think that was the big takeaway last night is that we either all suffer together or we all rise together. And that's the choice that our lawmakers have to make this year. Um, well, Tammy, I'd like to thank you for um, coming on to tell us about this very important, very um, eye-opening, compelling uh, reporting that you've been doing um, on single mothers, on, on poverty here in North Carolina. Um, and as we said before, this is just the first part in a series of stories. Um, uh, you know, you and, and your colleagues have been spending a lot of time and putting in a lot of um, resources into uh, into this uh, work. So uh, listeners of the podcast, please be on the lookout for, for that reporting. Um, before we go, we're going to wrap things up with uh, headliner of the week. Um, so Tammy, I'm going to go first um, and then uh, and then you can share, uh, you know, whatever is sort of uh, a highlight for you from this week. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a shout out to Dawn Vaughn, our colleague here on the politics team at the NNO. Um, she unfortunately had um, Twitter hackers breach her account this week, which was uh, which was bizarre and, uh, you know, upsetting. She um, obviously is a go to resource for many people here um, uh, who, who follow NC poll and um, and I'm glad to report, as she did herself, that um, her account is back in her hands. Um, so that's that's my pick for Headliner of the Week. Tammy, what about you? Uh, well, I'll take a little a slightly uh, different turn. Um, we actually had a, a new um, series come out today about um, dogs and cats and local shelters. And uh, so I wanted to sort of bring some highlight to that. Um, Elena Aragetti is reporting on that. She's got several stories on her website right now. Um, should be up over the next week or so. But it's also clear the shelters month in August. And so a lot of our local shelters are running specials. I know Orange County is waiving all adoption fees because this year has just been a banner year for dogs and particularly cats. They've got more kittens than they know what to do with. And, um, you know, that's so important because euthanasia rates have been increasing as well. And if we don't, uh, you know, take responsibility for these animals that we have basically domesticated and become part of our lives, our human world, then um, we're doing a disservice to them. And it's, you know, it's a terrible thing to have to put all these animals to death. And so I just really like to highlight that and, and point people to that series, which is so important. Yeah, definitely. Um, please check out. Uh, check out those stories as well. Uh, well, that does it for us this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Under the Dome. 
And, uh, and, and Tammy, thank you once again for joining. Um, until then, I'm Avi Bajpai with the News, News and Observer. Thank you. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.